0: Dispensing cannabis business knowledge beyond a million square feet of cultivation space, CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Blunt Business, harvested by Strainwise Consulting. Together, we will navigate the challenges and opportunities of one of the most profitable industries on earth. Join us each episode to hear our weekly roundtables and interviews with industry professionals. Now, let's delve into some Blunt Business with your host. And thanks everyone for joining us here on Blunt
1: Business, here on CannabisRadio.com, presented to you by the United States Cannabis Conference and Expo, usccexpo.com. Today, we're getting the pleasure to speak with an entrepreneur with a background in finance and technology, a graduate of science in finance and international business from NYU's Stern School of Business. He's a former financial analyst for a boutique wealth management firm for for ultra-high net worth clients, the big players in the industry, right? Called GFG Capital, whose assets under management while he was there, only increased from $200 million to $1 billion. And joining me to tell us about that wonderful story, that particular former financial analyst, is in the cannabis industry, his name is Raul Moreno. He's the CEO and co-founder of iBillionaire. And joining me also as well is Courtney Comstock, who is the Chief Operating Officer and Chief Financial Education Officer at iBillionaire. Raul and Courtney, welcome to Blunt Business.
2: Hi, Thank thanks you for, for
1: having, having us. You. Pleasure. Thanks for all for being with us today. really do appreciate it. So now, Ronald, we'll drink this to you first. The company states the following, quote, While public, the information on the holdings of Wall Street magnets like Carl Icahn and Warren Buffett are not only hard, I mean, is not only hard for the average investor to compile and understand, but also difficult to gain access. So your company, iBillionaire, harnessed this information and introduced the iBillionaire Index. New York stock exchange uh, code is billion. It curates the 30 U.S. equities in which a select pool of billionaires have allocated the most assets. Talk to me about how you put this impressive index together.
3: Sure. Thank you again for having us. Uh, basically the index was started because, uh, myself, I'm a Warren Buffett fan and I also been thinking about like, who's going to be the next Warren Buffett. Uh, it would be, it would have been very nice to like have invested in Warren Buffett, uh, 40, 30 years ago. Um, so I've been always thinking about like who's going to be next. And when I was doing my research, um, I, I saw people like David Tepper from Appaloosa, like uh, Bill Ackman, I can. All these billionaires are managing money. Uh, many of them manage the money through a hedge fund, which for the average investor is impossible to get <clears> in. <throat> yeah. And so my 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 analysis was like, okay, how do how do I myself as a retail investor? How can I gain access to that those companies and that and those uh, those type of products? Um, that's how we got started. Um but then the obviously this by law in the US after Starbucks Oxley uh, these billionaires have to report their filings every quarter to the SEC so that's where we said okay how can we bring that information to a broader audience and how can we make it in a way that it's easy for people to understand and to to use that information for their own investing purposes.
1: Amazing
3: You know, and if people
1: are smart enough to know what to do with their investments or with their assets and where they can put their money and try to make the most out of that, I mean, it's really obvious. You want to see what the billionaires are doing to be able to make that happen. Besides what you do to try to save and and try to accrue, but what you can do to obviously put in somewhere and really make it grow. Now... What caught our attention recently was the financial situation involving one of the biggest power players in the cannabis industry in Aurora Cannabis, and that is stirring up industry optimism. So let me offer some context for our listeners real quick. Aurora recently reported that they nearly quadrupled revenue and gained strong market share in its second fiscal quarter. Those numbers reflect the full first quarter since the launch of legal cannabis sales in Canada. Now, Aurora said that $21.6 million of its total sales of its $54.2 million came from Canada, which suffered shortages at the start of the new regime. Along with all of that, we learned that a number of international and U.S. high-quality institutional investors bought Aurora's recently issued convertible note due in five years. So I'll pose this to both of you, uh, Courtney and Roel. Talk to me about what you're seeing about what Aurora is doing, and does it validate the industry optimism?
3: Um, let me let me just start briefly, and then I'll let Courtney go in more detail. But one one thing I'll let I'll, I wanted to tell you as well about the index and Aurora specifically is that we allow people to invest in. If through our platform, we allow people to invest in the index, in the companies that billionaires are investing. And one of the things that, that we are seeing is a lot of investors um very interested in Aurora, so for the retail investor like I just want to make sure, i want to let them know that like this is a sector that is very very hot and that is very interesting as uh, for institutionals as well but but will let, let Courtney go in more detail about the specifics of of the question and really
1: quickly, while we're doing that, Courtney also give me a little bit of an understanding of what the convertible note is so that for those that are not so investor savvy would understand as well thank you.
2: Sure. So a convertible note, I'll start with that, is basically it's like a, a mix between a bond and equity. And it's kind of starts off, just the basic understanding of it is it starts off as a bond and then it'll convert to equity if they want in five years or they can get their loan back. And, you know, bond is just a loan. Okay. So that's how that works. And I thought that was really interesting about to hear on Aurora's earnings call because what it means is that, like if if sophisticated, well known institutional investors are investing in Aurora, it kind of legitimizes the business. So that's what I took away from that, because you know, cannabis companies in the past and still in, the, in you know currently have been having so much trouble accessing capital markets, particularly in the U.S., which is the biggest market in the world. So it's the most important one to access. But anyway, so Aurora's earnings were. They were they were good. Um, I was on the call, and I thought, you know, this is a, an important earning season because it was the first one where Canada had legalized recreational marijuana. Mm-hmm. And so it was huge to, you know, check out all of the earnings of these marijuana companies. And Aurora is one of the bigger ones. Um, Canopy Growth is, is another big one that I listened to the call. And they both said – similar things and I think it shows optimism for the future because like currently given that it's just started all they have in a way is optimism for the future they're still growing they're trying to get money so that they can invest um, in growing and until then a lot of their you know current valuation in the market is like hope for the future but I think the biggest like the most optimistic thing that I took away from it was the, their ability to grow in the derivative market right now, their focus, uh, like their main selling point has been medicinal marijuana and then also the flower uh, for recreational and medicinal. And they're really trying to branch out into the like derivative products like CBD oil. And, you know, they mentioned something about soft gels being very popular with people and edibles, of course, so all of those uh, get you a much higher margin, and so that should be very profitable for Aurora in the future, and these other companies that do the same thing.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you, I, we've been following Canada very closely since the inception of a legalization, full adult legalization. So. And among the things that are happening, obviously, Aurora and Cannabis are two of those top names we've heard about, especially going back to last year and the large mergers that some of these companies made with each other and seeing the high, uh, really, returns for those that were investing in the Cannabis Stock Exchange. The one thing i got to tell you is, you know, are you taking anything into account with these Canadian companies? A couple of things. One is we've had guests on Blunt Business talk about the fact of how they are expanding globally. Because, uh, so we said with Aurora, where does that other billions of dollars come from? Well, it's becoming from expansion to other markets. So they are going to Europe. They are making relationships with Europe now, Asia, Africa, and Australia. All that being taken into account, there's also been word of some of the people we talked to as well, where they talked about the fact that there's a lot of investment being put now, a lot of into resources, fa- uh, space to grow, uh, for infrastructure, staffing. And all that might come into play, but then also, there are only going to be so many companies that will survive this kind of growth, and they will fall by the wayside. So how do you determine which companies that you see when you forecast down the line, which ones are worth going after based on their aggressiveness towards global expansion, and those that might not make it past a couple
3: of years? Um, So I would yeah,
2: you go
3: ahead. Go ahead, ahead, Corinne, go ahead.
2: Okay, um, I would say honestly, Canopy Growth Company, just because of they just because they recently got a four billion dollar investment from Constellation Brands, which owns a bunch of drink brands right. like Modelo Beer and Pacifico, they are promising. But you know, honestly, our best recommendation is don't guess, uh, just invest in the index. That's the industry itself, whatever is marijuana related. Should go in there, and that way you will. Be, I mean, most likely it'll be acquisitions, or the smaller companies will fail. But in any case, currently it would be investing in thirty-seven-ish uh, companies, and that's just a much, it's just a better way to diversify your investment so that you're not taking a chance on a, a certain, you know, a number of companies, like a handful of companies that, you know, one of them might. Go, you know, completely to zero, and then you've got you invested equally in all of them. You've got negative twenty percent returns minimum. I mean, and, maybe depending on how it works out.
3: And Raúl, go ahead. Yeah, one of the things I'll add to that is that, like Constellation Brands, uh, which invested as, as currently said in canopy growth, uh, one of the main assets that a company has is a huge, it's one of the largest companies in the world they have the distribution power globally. So going back to your question, like what what I think the big play that these companies, the reason why they invested $4 billion is that they can, they already have the distribution, so they can really take the product and then distribute it worldwide. Um, and that's really where they see the the growth and probably the potential revenue and why a lot of investors are paying such high multiples for these companies. If you look at the valuations and compare the, the, the multiple, for example, of constellation brands to the multiple of, of, of Aurora or Canopy, it's like, like 10, 20 times larger. So the only reason we can see that we can explain that is, is by the, the growth that can happen in the revenue. And the only way that that can happen is by global distribution. And the best way to reach that is through constellation brands or, or people that already have that distribution. So you don't have to build it yourself. Um, and and I, I agree with Courtney as well. The, 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 the main way to invest is through the indices like this, p 500, there's a marijuana index uh, and, and what it does is market weighted. So the, what is, what's good and bad about that is that every time the companies uh, have a higher valuation, they, re, they are a larger percentage of the index and therefore you're more invested in that company. So uh, those are, I think the, the high level observations here.
1: Now, we're definitely going to be talking about beverage, uh, the beverage industry when it comes to Constellation Brands and others. Our next guest coming up here on Blunt Business, just a little uh, disclosure, uh, will be Joe Bayern, the president of Indus Holdings, who came very much from the beverage industry. We're, we're going to talk a lot about that on the next episode. But we're going to continue with this episode here with Courtney Comstock, the COO and chief financial education officer, Raul Moreno, the CEO and co-founder of iBillionaire here on Blunt Business. But before we do that... Got to tell you about our sponsors at the United States Cannabis Conference and Expo. They are here to offer the right to educate, engage, and empower the evolution of the cannabis industry. Join hundreds of, or actually not even hundreds, thousands of industry professionals on August 3rd and 4th in Miami, Florida for the return of the U.S. Cannabis Conference and Expo. You can learn more how to attend by going to usccexpo.com. It's August 3rd and 4th inside the Hyatt Regency in downtown Miami. Now, Time is running out for you to get a chance to get your early bird passes for this event. Make sure to go now and get half off your registration. Half off! And if you also share that confirmation link to other friends and, and, and co-workers and networkers, the people that you network with, then they're also going to get an advantage of that discount, and even you will get a further discount off your already discounted price. Make sure to go to usccexpo.com. Join us in Miami. It's a great time of year. It'll be hot. It'll be crazy, and it will be Crazy with a show floor full of vendors, lots of sponsors, lots of great speakers, great education on site. Miami is a great place to be. It's not much more than a just a hop, skip, and jump. It's a hub coming right into Miami. Make sure to join us in downtown Miami for the U.S. Cannabis Conference and Expo 2019, usccexpo.com. That said, back with more Blunt Business
0: after this. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business
1: cannabis industry professionals want to gain some new leads make genuine business connections and get premier brand exposure this is your opportunity ncia's new industry socials are kicking off in seattle portland las vegas salt lake city and phoenix in january register today using the promo code cannabis radio 20 all spelled in caps as one word Cannabis Radio Two Zero to take 20% off at thecannabisindustry.org slash events. Sponsorship opportunities are available. Register today at thecannabisindustry.org slash events. Now available for pre-order through crowdfunding for just $14 plus $10 shipping. Pouches, premium mixing and rolling pouches allow you to carry and prepare your herbs for consumption with discretion and ease.
0: Learn more at usccexpo.com. I hope you didn't forget about us, because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com.
1: We're joined by Roel Moreno, the CEO and co-founder of iBillionaire, and joining him also from iBillionaire is Courtney Comstock, the COO and Chief Financial Education Officer. So, Roel and Courtney, many Canadian companies, including Aurora, have focused on increased production, product innovation, and as I mentioned before the break, global expansion to places like Europe, Asia, Africa, and Australia. We learned that from several guests here on Blunt Business in the last couple of weeks. One of our recent guests said, as we said, about the financial survival of the fittest and we already know about what you think about what's happening with that uh, how do you think Aurora is gonna be able to stay on top like what is it that needs to happen in terms for companies like Aurora and others to survive and be that survival of the fittest and come out on top what are the necessary
0: factors uh,
3: well one of the one of the main factors I think they have to be careful is in the, the product development and obviously, their their financial situation. And um, a lot of these companies are are still in the negative in terms of net income. So they they cannot be so aggressive in 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 how they develop products. Because the more products you develop, the more you have to uh, uh, deploy in marketing, and that that can be really something that can hurt the company. So I guess I guess a little bit more cautious. Uh, I I think I read recently from Warren Buffett, for example he lost like 25% of, 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 of his investment in in Kraft Heinz, which is a company that has been distributing products for hundreds of years. And they're being challenged by private banks, brands, and also by the marketing expenses that they, these brands are having. So um, I think it's very important to have very good uh, financials uh, and understand that these products, the distribution does cost a lot of money. Um, what, what I think is interesting here is that like um that like let me compare it to craft like people don't like younger younger people don't are not really uh, well they don't see craft as an amazing brand but the, these companies have the opportunity to become the brands of the next generation i think a lot of younger people uh, see marijuana and marijuana related products as something natural that's something that is legal uh, so they have a lot of potential in becoming these established brands of the future. So I think that's that's where I think you have to be careful in, okay, how do you become the brand? But also how do you uh, take care of the bottom line and don't overexpend and then and then have like some bigger company acquire you at whatever price they pay.
1: Now, Courtney, I'll direct this to you. Now, you mentioned that you were listening on a recent earnings call that Aurora had with the public and or leadership touted their regulatory capabilities and success in penetrating global markets to the tune of 22 countries in five continents. Plus, they have obtained a letter of intent to acquire Mexico's first federally approved importer plus an import limit for poland and made their first czech republic delivery they are optimistic they said about entering the eu market than the u.s where they say quote they will enter when it's legal and proper end quote so were there any other things that you got that you took away from the call that were very uh, significant and what do you think about what they've done in terms of global expansion about where they've been able to go and where they can go
2: I think their global expansion actually is the most impressive of the marijuana companies, at least that I'm familiar with. It certainly struck me as more impressive than canopies. And that just because they're in more countries and it does seem to me like they have, and they touted their regulatory team, as you said. And I think that's super important. It's really hard to work with regulators. There's, you know, marijuana is just... In the U, I mean, in the U.S., it's still considered a drug as bad as heroin. So, right. a lot of these countries are still warming up to the I- idea that marijuana should be legal, and it's just going to take a lot of work with them. So, a team that has experience and has had success in the past, and also, you know, these countries talk to each other, especially in the EU, and so success in one. Country might help success in another country that they can say you know oh here you know we were very successful here here's how we did it and then I think it makes other countries feel more comfortable with the brand as well uh, so I think that was I don't know that really I liked that a lot and then also you know we are located okay. down in uh, South America actually and one country where they bought this this company ICC. In Uruguay, and Uruguay was actually the first country to legalize marijuana, recreational marijuana. And so that's, I mean, just because we're in South America, I thought that was interesting. But also, you know, Uruguay is the only other country that where it's legal. So their expertise down there, I think, will also be super helpful because uh, ICC has a seventy percent market share in Uruguay and. The fact that they are going to be able to dominate the field down there, even though it's a tiny little country, um, I think that might give them an advantage for, you know, any potential future countries that legalize recreational as well. Like they'll know how it works in Uruguay, they'll know how it works in Canada, obviously. And so I think that gives them a little bit of an edge.
1: And also been hearing as well, we've also talked here on the show about how Mexico could very well be the next country to have full adult legalization. I know uh, President López Obrador has been talking about that, and I know, if I'm correct, I believe a bill has been presented to their parliamentary, so there might be that even that fact as well. Have you heard about that story at all, and is that something you're also keeping an
0: eye on?
2: I have not heard that, that's super exciting. Um, I have, uh, Yeah, I haven't, but the fact that, you know, they've got this letter of intent from a company in Mexico then is also just really good news. I did not hear that uh, Mexico is the country, I could be wrong, but I did not hear that it was the country that CGC had infiltrated yet. Um, so that's another reason to be optimistic.
1: Well, and well, I want to just make sure I cite so that everybody knows where I'm coming from. This was a, a, no, there's a Financial Times story that I can't read because of a stupid paywall. But NPR reported on this, uh, mentioning that uh, Mexico may be one of the next growing number of com- countries, along with the U.S., to do that. Because the Mexican president elects left his party, according to the story that's time, back in November. They had a new legislation that would allow citizens to grow and sell pot. But Mexicans are divided over whether legalizing would help curb organized crime or create more drug users. But that was already being brought out as legislation that might actually happen. And President uh, Andres Manuel López Obrador might actually go and consider this marijuana legalization bill. It's been introduced, so I want to see if there's anything that comes up from that. And it could very well be if it's already getting to that point. Now, according to a recent report by Barron's, not a publication I normally go to, but I know it's for financial types, it's the place to go. Some of Aurora's competitors have been optimistic in valuing its cannabis plants before sale in their quarterly reports. Under financial re- International Financial Reporting Standards, or IFRS, the standard used in Canada... Companies are required to report the value of a biological asset at different stages of its development as a way to smooth earnings over time. That's fascinating. I didn't know about biological assets. But what does it mean for cannabis companies? It must mean that they must book the theoretical value of the crop before they they have sold it. That's fascinating to me. Take a moment, uh, both of you, to explain to our listeners the process of valuation over biological assets.
2: Okay, so I'll go first. Um so basically think of first think of an oil company and how they've got a barrel of an oil a barrel of multiple barrels <laughs> of thousands of oil and those you know are good for years so they are able to depreciate their assets over time the way that in accounting like the formula works out is that you depreciate over years so marijuana does not have that type of a lifespan so a biological asset kind of has to be booked like all in one go. Now in Canada, I know you know that article. Yes, they have to book it all at once so that it can be uh, you know like a forward-looking and things could change type of number. However, Canada recently you know okay. So also biological assets are also like livestock and farm like corn and stuff and that's okay. Those have been, you know, markets for so, so long. So the rules right now really only have only applied to those type of biological assets and marijuana has just been like thrown in there recently because it's had to be because of, you know, the expansion of legalization. And so they're kind of still figuring it out. And the way that the Canadian, uh, like overseeing body for accounting, is dealing with that is they recently updated or like issued a little report about how they think marijuana companies should be valuing these biological assets. And what they said is, okay, so you have to do it as one number, but we want you to like within those line items, explaining that one number, we want you to break it out by production phase and by like selling phase. So that way it gives people a bit of an idea of like, these are, this is still in production. This is the value that could change. And then, selling phase, I don't know, it gives people a better idea of like what could go wrong and, um, and which part of the earnings are being booked now that like maybe are more speculative. That's I mean, how a, I understand e- it. I'm not an accountant. But. No, no, I, I
1: get what you're saying. But, but, but to kind of break it down, the idea is they're it, the, the, the assets are perishable. It's basically what the idea is, as opposed to oil or, 100%. say, frozen orange juice or other things like that, where, you know, there's probably something to that where, yeah, it's it's an interesting concept. I really never, never put that into account, but obviously that's that's real strict regulation by Canada, I must say. But, I mean, those entities are, you know, we're just learning about how much there is when it comes to the kind of restrictions, the uh, restrictions there are and regulations that are just so strenuous. And, I mean, that's part of the reason we know that global expansion is so necessary, because they, they're building to go ahead and be what I've been calling on this show for the last few weeks, the OPEC of cannabis. I really feel like that's what they're trying to become. Now, Mike Miller, he's financial director at private equity firm White Sheep Corporation. He was quoted in this same article saying this... Quote, the cannabis market has seen huge volatility in price, which makes it difficult to guess what the biological assets are worth. While the industry is still in its infancy, there are no futures markets to help with pricing and many price estimates were based on medical cannabis prices which were higher than the prices retailers could get for recreational cannabis. He also said if it were 100% accurate, the revenue numerator should equal production cost and the adjustment as zero out. This is going to be an issue for many companies this earnings season and until the industry matures. So unpack that statement for us. Tell us what you're reading out of that.
2: So with future markets, those are really helpful for, I'll just go back to the oil company example, their oil futures. And so there's a really clear, uh, like basically a straight line. But yeah, it moves, but it's, you know, you can constantly look at where the market is pricing oil you know, in like a week, in a month, in a year. And so then these companies can hedge and they can either invest in oil and like hold, you know, long oil on their sheet just to super simplify it, or they can short oil based on those numbers. Marijuana companies can't do that. And the futures markets are also good for just knowing the price in the future and being able to work those numbers into your financial statements. So I think that I think there should be a marijuana futures market. I think there's definitely need for one now, and I wouldn't be surprised if someone starts one soon just because investing in marijuana, like a million people want to do it. Anyways, it's our most popular strategy on our platform. And like, you know, futures markets would open up, would just be more, you know, financial product related to marijuana for people to invest in. So I, that really interested me. Um, and I think... I don't know. That's like, it's gonna, one's
1: coming, one's coming for sure. Now, Raul, I want to go ahead and pose a question to you. This was just going back to what we talked talk about earlier. You've dropped Warren Buffett's name several times when it comes to billionaires to <coughs> admire, but that would never be, you know, in today's age, I know he's still very prominent and obviously he has the money. But when you think of billionaires, some days, I mean, if you ask somebody on the street, they probably would, might go ahead and give you Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk. Or Bill Gates or Tim Cook or Mark Zuckerberg so question is what is it about the the uh, appeal of Warren Buffett that still goes strong today as a billionaire that is very important to admire and to re- really follow what he's doing
3: well I, th- I think there's two things for me at least one is that a uh, well he has a track record that is very hard to replicate and it has been consistent through 50 or so years. So like his track record is, speaks for himself. That's the first one. The The second thing I, I would say is that a lot of what he has been doing re- like in the past I don't know, 20 years is trying to help the average investor and simplifying investing. The masses. So, for example, one of the main recommendations he has is like invest your money in the S&P 500, right? Like it's such a it's such a simple advice, yet not a lot of people take it. And and having it from the and, and coming from the like the best investor, the best performance, is is, is something to admire. So I, I would say that that for me is the thing that like the, his track record speaks for himself. The way he has managed in his life, personally and both professionally is also something that like very few people can question. Um, but, but I do, I, I agree with you that like there, there, there is a younger generation. There's, there's other people that, that are coming up like Elon Musk, like, like uh, B- Jeff Bezos that are doing amazing things for the world and for their companies. And that, and obviously people admire them for that. So, so yeah, I think, um, for, that's one of the reasons why in, in i we not only started, started, we started just focusing on non-billionaires, but then have expanded into other, like we, we have a Neil Mass strategy. We have the marijuana strategy because mm-hmm. these are subjects and, 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 and important, important subjects that, like, that, that we as a society need to consider and that people as investors are definitely interested in, in investing and putting their money and making it grow.
1: So, I know right now we're seeing a lot of uh, billionaire companies that are on the, uh, the mix there right now in terms of, can, of uh, cannabis. I don't know if we have any actual individual billionaires yet from the industry. Do we have any of those yet?
3: Well, we have a couple of them, like Dan Loewe from Third Point Capital in Mandel like these are very well-known investors. They, they haven't invested directly in any marijuana related companies from what, from what I know, Mm -hmm. but they have, they have a significant stake in constellation brands, which by itself has an investment in canopy growth. So, so I guess they're, they're, they they have a position in, in a way. Um, But I, I I think, I think another reason why these investors might not be involved at the moment is that in some cases, these companies are still small and 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 in many cases, these these investors, like when they put capital, they put a lot of capital, and they don't want to affect the, like the market that much. So, um, but I, I do think as as more regulation comes into play, as as as, as you said, like as more financial products with with uh, come into market, there will right. be there will be investors. And another thing that that I think you mentioned at the beginning of the show was like the convertible notes that yes. institutional investors are. Like I would say institutional investors are investing in that convertible note, the main reason being like they, they are uh, giving debt to the company, but they are also want to have that equity exposure just in case they, they can convert it into equity. So to me, that what that signals is that the, the investors, like the institutional investors, the, in the short term, they might be worried that these companies work out or don't work out, but in the long run... Uh, they do want to have the possibility of o- owning equity because then that that's where the upside really is. So, so I think we'll see more of this coming, uh, and and maybe maybe uh, this is the case that like the retail investors have are are basically the first ones to get involved and 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 are the ones that are participating more proactively than institutionals.
1: I gotta tell you, there's gonna be a point where this industry will. Foster a couple of individual billionaires. I'm pretty sure those days are not too far away from us. But, you know, I know those in the cannabis industry might be listening to this and saying, hearing you know, all about this money and financials and all this and that. And I know there are some that might take away from this. This is just my opinion here. That some people might take away from here and say, well, where's the passion about the business, the passion for the plant? Well, of course there's going to be that. I don't think there's no question about that. But, you know, You just can't get away from the idea that when you're hearing all this stuff going on, I mean, there are those companies that are out there, not unless looking to go ahead and serve a higher purpose, but they're also looking at what kind of money they can make. Because some companies are going to really come away. When this industry is in full force, it's going to be something incredible.
0: Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business.
1: For over a decade, industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com.
2: Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter.
0: be no crime, hemp ink is even hot proved by the man who run high times oh yeah, get it on Android and I and IOS today marijuana llama out got to tend to me on crap channel. You know. money don't make itself, hemp ink I hope you didn't forget about us, cause we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com
1: and we're back with final questions with Raul Moreno, the CEO and co-founder of iBillionaire, and also from iBillionaire, Courtney Comstock, the CEO and Chief Financial Education Officer. Again, what a wonderful conversation. I'm really, this is information that's very essential to those out there that don't understand, and hopefully there are some investors that listen to the program that might be outside of the cannabis space that will see, here's where we are in the state of financial times in the cannabis industry, and say, okay, you know what? It's time for us to come and invest. Um I guess let me go in with that question real quick to both of you. Uh, what do you see about optimism for more investors to come into the cannabis space?
3: Well, I, I think right now there, there's actually a lot of optimism in the in the market in terms of uh, cannabis. Um, I think uh, we'll still we're still starting to see like institutional investors join, um, and and what I definitely think is that. Uh, there will be like we see we saw with constellation brands like bigger bigger companies start maybe acquiring uh, smaller companies that that, that they, maybe they can help them with distribution or financially or, or other ways they can help them so that that's where i think we're at at the moment and and we i think it's very early stages but there's there's a lot of potential for for the industry yeah
2: i mean look this is the next alcohol and it's what the young generation is going to want, you know, their drug of choice. I don't even want to call it a drug, but um, their vice of cho- or a vice. <laughs> but, vice is a good you know, word. Like, it's, um, it's, it's, it's calorie-free. It doesn't give you a hangover the next day. I mean, I just think it's a no-brainer, and if you – you know, regulations aside, you know, the younger generation is okay with marijuana is getting older and like, we're going to be in charge soon and it'll be our, our role. So I think this is, I think people would have to be crazy not to invest. I mean, it's still really early stages. So you have to be prepared to invest for a long time and you just have to like ride out the volatility because that's certainly coming like the next sell off when risk sells off marijuana is going to sell off even more because it's even more risky than you know your general S&P 500 index and so you've got to be prepared for that and just like stick in for the long haul I think it's very unlikely that you know all of a sudden there would be a huge backlash against marijuana I mean just look at the effects of alcohol and the effects of marijuana unless a huge bombshell discovery comes out that marijuana is actually you know I, I don't know I have no idea what could happen, but alcohol is so bad for you and marijuana seems to be so much better for you that it's its just, it's coming, you know?
1: Right. Now, Marijuana Moment recently reported, and this is to plant a seed of optimism for investors and cannabis owners, pun intended. They recently reported that U.S. congressional Democratic leaders have circulated a draft of a bill that would allow cannabis companies to put their profits in banks. Amen. The lack of access to banks and capital markets because of the federal ban on cannabis has hampered the development of the sector. Now, this bill was released by the House Financial Services Committee ahead of a meeting scheduled on the topic. And Democrats are looking at other legislative measures in 2019 to promote the sector, including tax fairness, medical access for military veterans, and removing the current barriers to medical research. So, should there be any optimism for legalization by the hope of long-awaited financial opportunities?
3: I think yeah. I think that's the main thing. Uh, obviously, without access to banks or capital, it's very hard to manage and operate a company. So um, this is a very important law um, that will help. I think to in two ways. One, it will consolidate the U.S. as one of the major financial hubs. I think that the 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 having these Canadian companies being listed in the U.S proves that like okay the, the capital market in the u.s are welcoming to everyone and there's billions of dollars to be made and invested in these companies so, and let's let's make that be a u.s thing not, not a canadian thing or your thing um, obviously the banks uh, need that need the legislation otherwise they will be uh, well breaking the laws and uh, banks are high, highly regulated companies and that that cannot happen so i think it's very welcoming uh, this will make the industry Grow much, much, much faster, and also will permit smaller companies. Because I guess the, the bigger companies they can access banks in Hong Kong, in Swiss, in Switzerland, in London, wherever they want. But for the smaller entrepreneurs, for the smaller companies uh, that have maybe this product that that, that will come to market soon, uh, those are I think the the major beneficiaries of this type of regulation, um, and it's very, very exciting. One, one last thing I would add. Uh, one one last thing I would add is like this. This type of the, the industry does remind me a lot about like blockchain. Like there were a lot of blockchain companies, Bitcoin or Ethereum related companies that have the same issue. This has been solved already uh, for for those companies, especially in some some regu- some markets. So I think I think that definitely shows like the opportunity there, and, and having the proper regulation will allow. Uh, even more business to, to grow and, and, and bigger companies to be made. Wonderful. It, it's promising
1: news. And we want to just see if that's going to actually come to be. And also, uh, we're going to talk to another guest uh, down the line. We'll ask that same question about this federal policy and see if this can really come to light. We're going to get some real expert perspective from uh, Dan Anglin, who's with Can America Brands. We'll talk to him in a couple of weeks here on Blunt Business. Stay tuned for that as well. Now, Raul and Courtney, again, we are so thankful for having you here on Blunt Business. Really, this is great information we're getting to share with our listeners. Tell us how we can learn more about iBillionaire, where can we find more about you, and what are the things they should be looking for when it comes to what you do?
3: Sure. Uh, they can, you can download our app. It's available on iPhone and Android. So just search iBillionaire on, on, the, on your App Store or Google Store. Uh, obviously, on the web, uh, iBillionaire.com. Uh, or, I or invest in Instagram, uh, it's, our, it's our user. So that's, that's where you can find us. Uh, for investors looking to invest in the industry, we, we have a strategy available that invests in the marijuana ETF. We highly recommend that you do like an automatic savings plan which is you can invest like a, a set amount of money every week or every month. Uh, we also recommend investing 10% of your monthly income uh, or your salary into anything anything you want and a part of that should be invested in can be invested in, in these industries or in this type of product so um, yeah basically you can find us uh, in your favorite app store and and on online as well
1: Fantastic, yeah and for me I do follow that rule about putting aside 10% of my income to, to save and I do try to do as much as I can, the only thing I can't just say is you know I, I have tried uh, particular spots where cannabis was a lot was offered as an investment, and I know it's something that's really a long play. I guess from what I had to go and do to really in that account, but uh, I'm just kind of keeping my eye on things. But um, would you was there any places you would recommend in terms of uh, where to go invest in cannabis? Like what what would be the important factors in terms of investing if you're looking to try to just if you're not going to you know be in a company that it's creating this uh room for this this environment for investment what can you do to invest in it
3: um well i'm going to say something like like again following warren buffett's advice like invest in the s&p 500 mm-hmm. uh, obviously no marijuana companies still in the s&p but uh, we do recommend indices and etfs because they are uh, they have much better diversification so for the average investor we highly recommend to do that. We do not recommend investing in individual companies specifically just because that that can like companies can fluctuate especially in a growing industry. It can be like a fifty percent decline it can happen in a day uh, It has happened to craft again a, a brand that has been around for two hundred years Warren about investing billions of dollars. It has happened to those type of companies to those types of investors. It could happen to you, so don't do it uh, invest in the indices, invest in the ETFs, uh, I think that, that that is a very important thing to, to, to understand. Um, and then another thing that I would say is there's, there's more and more platforms that are online than obviously Courtney is the chief financial education officer at our company. So we do take care of education and customer service. Very, very, it's a very critical part of our company. And, and, and so we, we try to put information online and on Instagram and that that that's important. So for investors like B, being a, invest in a company that you feel that is giving you proper advice and proper uh, tools to educate yourself. And also uh, make sure that the fees that these companies charge are low because uh, if they're charging you high expenses, then, then it, depends, it defeats the point. Uh, so I think those those are the main things to consider.
1: Fantastic. Uh, so again, Raul Marino, CEO, And co-founder of iBillionaire, Courtney Comstock, CEO and Chief Financial Education Officer of iBillionaire. Thank you so much for being with us here on Blunt Business.
2: Thank you. That was fun. Our pleasure. Thank real you quick,
1: for having us. Uh, hey, my pleasure. Uh, real quickly, before we're going to wrap things up, uh, I want to go ahead and tell you again about our sponsor, the United States Cannabis Conference and Expo. Uh, the sponsorship program is an opportunity to advocate your position as an industry leader to an audience that will listen and engage. Join us August fourth in Miami, Florida, for a returning conference series, Invest in Your Future. We're talking about invest. You can invest in the USCC Expo and leave a lasting impression on thousands of attendees. Visit us usccexpo.com slash sponsorship hyphen information and talk to our team on the best option for you. The 2019 United States Cannabis Conference and Expo coming August 24th inside the Hyatt Regency in downtown Miami, Florida. Reserve your early bird passes now at usccexpo.com. That's usccexpo.com. Thanks for joining us here on Blunt Business. You can download past episodes by going to com, or subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Spreaker, and iHeartRadio and wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening.
0: With Chime secure credit card, you can start improving your credit scores with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments. Get started at Chime.com build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members of FDIC. Results may vary. See Chime.com for details. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need.